Kids, the start of the program uh, for this year starts today, so families and children, you're welcome to just slip out now to program. Thank you, those that are looking after the kids and, and, and instructing them. Have fun. Hey, why don't you just stand for a moment and say something to someone around you? <laughs> <laughs> Good to just break the ice. Okay, take a seat again. I just want to get underway. I, I, um, I was preaching last week about guidance. want to continue that thought today. You know, I think the number one cause of problems in the church and in an individual Christian's life is when we stop listening to and obeying the Holy Spirit. You know, when we hear from God and do things God's way, it always turns out right. God's big enough for that. And, and you know, 16 times in the New Testament, um, it says, he or she who has ears to hear, let them hear. 16 times, and seven of those are actually in the, um, the Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, and it adds, he who has ears to hear um, what the Spirit is saying to the church. You know, so if someone's saying, if God is saying 16 times, listen to me, can you listen to me? Can you listen to me? Do you get it? It must be important that we're hearing the voice of the Spirit, eh? hearing the voice of Jesus, and then obeying in the way that the Bible, the Bible actually talks about it. You know, when I was younger, I, I uh, tried really hard to hear Jesus, but I also wonder, uh, worried that I wasn't hearing right. Anyone ever thought that? Hmm. And, you know, uh, I never seemed to know 100%. Sometimes I'd be 90% sure, but there'd be 10%, oh, what if, what if, maybe it's not. And, and, you know, I found that that's pretty normal and doesn't really go away. But as I've grown older and I've had more time of listening and obeying and then seeing that it was God and then listening some more and obeying and seeing the fruit that's come, I've grown a whole lot more relaxed about it. You know, when I was resigning from teaching at age 27 to go surf around Australia, um, that sense that I was not supposed to go grew upon me. It brought an unease or a dis-ease, and it was preparing the ground for me to be able to decide and to tell my mate, hey, look, I'm sorry, I know we've both resigned from our jobs, but I can't go. I don't feel that it's the right thing to do. And it was then, after I'd made that decision, um, that people started coming to me with words that confirmed I was supposed to go to Bible college. And that's usually the order that guidance goes. We have to sense what God is saying, hear what God is saying, and, and get determined in that often before the prophetic starts to flow in. It's not normally the other way around. 
And then when we were to leave Glen Eden Baptist Church, where I was assistant pastor for 12 years, God again was prompting us, and he was unsettling us. And Sandra and I talked for a whole summer holiday break up at Fononaki there, and we were saying, what is God saying to us? But we came back from the end of that holiday 95% sure that we were to leave Glen Eden and that God was sending us somewhere else. And I met my senior pastor in the hallway as we arrived back. And right outside, just in the hallways, I said to him, Hey, Murray, there's something I've got to tell you. As he was saying to me, Hey, John, there's something I've got to tell you. And so I said, Well, you go first. And he goes, No, you go first. And I said, No, you go first. Well, eventually, he's the senior, so I went first. And I said, Murray, I sense God saying to us that we are to leave here and he's going to send us into a senior uh, role somewhere around the country. And he said, that's amazing, John, because I was just going to tell you it was time for you to leave. <laughs> and that God was saying that he was, he, you were to leave here and he was going to be sending you to another church. And eventually that, that leading of God led us to be here. And I think April or May, beginning of May, we've been here 24 years. Two things I've found about listening for guidance and looking and following Jesus as he leads us. First, it's by the inner peace in our hearts. Colossians 3.15 says that the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since you were members of one body, you were called to peace. And there's a rulership place for peace. What's the, what, what is it that we think God's saying to us to do? Often it's the guidance of the peace in our hearts that's there. But then also he will be, the, the Bible says, the light to our path. 1 John chapter, or John chapter 1 and verse 9 says, The true light that gives light to everyone is coming into the world. And the beginning of John uses that imagery of Jesus being light. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp or a light to my feet and a light for my path. And when we have this peace ruling in our hearts and a clear sense of the light shining on the, on the path we're to take, we can go for it. God sent people to China and out of Mongolia and all over the world on those two things lining up and the call is so strong in their hearts. You know, following his light is also the safest place that any Christian can be. Even if it's taking you out of your comfort zone and to places you've never been before, when God's speaking and, and he's, he's pulled the roots up around you as he's, he did in those situations for us so that we're ready to leave and then the light and the word comes, you can just step out. Seb's come from England to be here because of the peace of God in his heart and the light that shone the call on Christchurch and this church that's here. And friends... You may be sensing similar things even now or in the future. You can go anywhere and do anything that God is asking you to do that's within the range of biblical allowance. You with me? And I learned that lesson about safety in the natural many years ago. When I was about 26, I suppose, or maybe a bit younger, I used to go cruising uh, with my friends on a good friend's father's yacht. It was a 46-foot steel yacht, and it weighed 16 tons. So once it got moving, it had momentum. It was hard to slow down. And we had the most amazing adventures on this thing. And we were, 
over on Great Barrier Island, and we went to pick up some friends of ours, Mark and Lisa Woolley, who were, stay, who were training at Arama Christian Fellowship, and they were doing a DTS over there. And we took them out fishing, and we sailed out around the outside, the ocean side of Great Barrier, and we were fishing. And we caught, the guys went, some of the guys went um, snorkeling, uh, scuba diving, and after craze, and others of us were just fishing, and we caught heaps of fish. It starts to then become dusk, and it's time to get Mark and Lisa back to Arama. So um, we kind of set off, and I said to one of my friends, just steer for that lighthouse over there, and uh, we're going to do the, f- the filleting of the fish down below. So I was in this center cockpit of the boat, and it's getting dark at dusk, and then complete black and, and darkness, and we're just filleting, and we're throwing over the side and filleting all the fish up, and, and there were so many of them, it took us 30-odd minutes or 40 minutes, something like that. And I was hearing a little voice in the background, and I wasn't really listening to it. And then I tuned into it, and my friend on the steering wheel was saying, well, we'll hit it in a moment if no, if nothing ha- if no one does anything. And I put my head up into the darkness, and the light was about up there of the lighthouse. And I yelled. I pushed him off the wheel, and I swung the wheel around, and I rammed it into reverse. But you can't put the boat into too much reverse because it just starts to cavitate the prop, and it doesn't even pull. But you could spin the prop off. Do you want to be on the outside of barrier uh, where the cliffs are uh, with no prop at all to be able to do anything? And, and I'm yelling, turn out that light, because there was a little cabin light. that, had, And I'm blinking like mad, trying to get my night vision. And I think, I'll flip, because I've sailed past there many times. And there are reefs of rocks. And I thought, I think we're inside the reef of rocks. And I, don't, I know we're not pointing at the cliff anymore, but I don't know where the rocks are. And, and the heart's just going at whatever. And all of a sudden, this lighthouse from 40 k's away on Mokahinau Islands does three flashes, flash, flash, flash. And there's a light that comes traveling right across the sea to us. And I go, I wasn't on the helm at that stage. I said, focus on the light. Guy starts bringing it in, and then it's black, of course, because three flashes is just a second or two. And we're black, black, and the boat, you can't stop it. It's just moving. How are we going to hit anything? And suddenly, three flashes again, and, and we just tidied it up a little bit more. But you see, what happens when the lighthouse shines on the sea is that you can see everything, in the, uh, anything in that path. Everything is illuminated. Black out here but everything is illuminated in that point. And slowly our hearts started to go down and we just followed that lighthouse light as it just gently, gently until we were out in the, in the full ocean area again and we knew that we could just head for a rama and drop our friends off. You know, friends, that's what it's like so much following Jesus as a Christian. The Bible often uses the imagery of light to describe how Jesus leads us. And when his light shines in our direction before us, we can see, and even if it goes black again, it'll come again, and we can just keep going in the right direction in the dark because we've got faith. And we're just walking towards where the light was, and then the light will flash again, and we can keep following like that. And for Sandra and I, and for all of you, following the light is the safest place that any one of us can actually be in. Our lives are never safer than when we receive light from his word 
or from his voice, and we've stepped out to follow it. It direct, that light directed us here 24 years ago, and that same light has now been revealed that our time here is finishing. And we've done our leadership task, or we will have in a couple of months' time. And the scene is set for the next senior pastor to be able to take the church further. You know, you guys, SABC Church is an amazing church filled with amazing people. I get told that by speakers who come to visit us here time and again after they've talked one-on-one with you and been able to preach in the platform here. And we have an awesome, sold-out-to-Jesus leadership team in the eldership. They're not caught by surprise, as Robert said. We've been discussing this for several years from time to time. And as God's peace in my heart has made it clear that I should retire at 65, and they have a plan to be able to continue to be able to share with you. But the Bible says this, He who has an ear, let them hear. And Sandra and I have heard, and we are making way for someone younger, someone more gifted, someone prepared by God, someone more energetic to lead the next phase of SABC's wonderful journey. Thanks, John. You know, as, as, we, as we journey through life following the light that God reveals for us, it means that change takes place. A change has to take place. And we, we all experience change in various levels. You know, there's, there's levels of change that we can go through. Remember the movie A Dog's Tale where you've got well foot rot and he, he goes to put his socks on and he says, oh, they'll need changing as the stench comes up, so he swaps feet. <laughs> but there is change which is a bit more significant and, and it, it can be scary to go through change. And in fact, in, in business circles, there's a whole market sector of people who, who come in and do stuff around change management so that you, it helps people to actually journey through change well. And so this morning, I want to continue to talk on and on actually talking about change because change is normal. Every person on the planet experiences change. And as I said, some change can be good and some can be unsettling. The Apostle Paul said that we are all who followed Jesus, that we're all being changed from glory to glory. And that, so that means that we have, we, at this current point, we reflect Jesus at some level. You know, when people look at us, they will see Jesus in us at some level. But as we grow in maturity, we start to reflect more of Jesus, and we start to reflect more of Jesus, and we're being changed by God and the Holy Spirit. Change is normal. Now, from the beginning of creation until the new heaven and earth is established, a rhythm of change has been built into the fabric of the universe. Now, right from the beginning, God established the sun, moon, and stars, and they're designed to march the rhythm of creation through the universe, through this planet. And as the planet rotates and we go through seasons, we experience change. And mankind was given a mandate. Uh, he placed God, uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, and he said, extend my kingdom around the rest of the planet. You know, Eden is the example. The rest of it still needs to actually be extended. So you and your children are supposed to go and extend my plans for this whole planet 
And that was before the fall. And the planet was to experience God's good change taking place through Adam and Eve. But of course, um, sin entered the world. Mankind rebelled and eventually God sent a flood to wipe out the people he had created because their sin was so bad, saving only eight souls. But after the flood, when uh, Noah uh, gave an offering to God, God spoke this to them, telling them that he would not wipe out mankind while this planet exists. He wouldn't wipe them out again. And he he also said this, As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Each couplet represents a contrast of change that will always take place. Change is normal. It's built into the fabric of the universe. God established this rhythm of change we all take for granted. And because of it, through that rhythm of change, because change exists, we're able to grow, be fruitful, and flourish. Just look at what God followed this, the, that sense that change is always going to be there. He followed this on with Noah afterwards and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. As God brings change, it enables us to grow in our fruitfulness, our effectiveness, and who God calls us to be. Change is a normal part of life. Although, as we go through change, it is okay to grieve at loss. Because as we change, it means losing something. It means gaining something, and it means losing something. It's normal. And it is okay to grieve what we lose. For some, John and Sandra have been the only senior pastors you have known, and you may need to grieve that. For others, 24 years is a long time, and again, you may need to grieve that loss as well as they move away. And this is normal, and as a leadership team, we don't want to rush the ability for people to go through that time of just grieving and having a sense of loss as we go through this change. You do need to allow that time. Now, if we rush grief, generally that will get bottled down and anger or some other change will start to build up in us if we don't actually allow that emotion to work through its course. But at the same time, we shouldn't be surprised or worried because change takes place. God has a plan. In fact, we should be worried if change doesn't take place. Now, watching the young children running around here um, during worship and everything, uh, it's, you know, it's really cute. And it's great to see that they feel at home here and, and the ability to be able to do that. But if they don't grow up and change and are still behaving that way in their 20s, 30s, 40s, I think the cuteness wears off. <laughs> in fact, we'd be concerned about their social development. And a church is no different. If we don't experience change, then we will never reach the maturity as a church that God has for us. You know, John and Sandra have served this body of believers really well over the last 24 years. And I know more than most, with my role in the eldership, how much that service has cost them personally. But I also know how gladly they have borne that cost for our sake. 
But if we were to continue past God's call, on the call of God on them, if they stopped following the light that John was talking about, then they would suffer and so would we. In the Bible, there's a record of one of the kings of Judah called Hezekiah. He was an outstanding king of Judah. He really was. An impeccable track record. But one day he falls sick and he's lying on his bed and a prophet comes to see him and says, get your fears in order because you're going to die from the sickness. And so the prophet then walks out and Hezekiah turns to the wall and he says, God, please extend my life. And before the prophet has actually left the building, he comes back because God spoke to him and says, okay, you can have an extra 15 years. And he does amazing signs just to confirm that. So Hezekiah gets an extra 15 years. But during that 15 years, uh, Hezekiah made his biggest mistake. He uh, has all these embassies from Babylon come in and he shows them everything in in Judah. And so the prophet comes and says, why did you do that? Uh, Because of that, they're going to come and they're going to take everything that you've shown them away. The, The other really interesting thing is that his successor, his son Manasseh, was born during those 15 years. And he was the worst king Judah ever had. And it makes me think, did God put that story in the Bible, record that for our benefit so that we can know that um, the importance of actually following God's leading and not trying to hold on and grip onto things, which he says, actually, the time for that is past. You need to move on into what's new. Because if we try to hold on to stuff which is not uh, got God's blessing on anymore, things happen. I've seen people trying to do that with ministries, and when they get called into a ministry, they, you know, God's favor is on them, they've got energy, they've got enthusiasm, and doing it's easy. And then they don't want to give that up, even though God has said, it's, okay, it's time to move on, do something else, and it becomes hard work for them. And they just keep striving and striving. It becomes hard work for them. It becomes a drain on other people around them. We need to keep following the leading that God has over our lives. We need to walk in tune with the timing God has for us, walk in his light. Change is normal, change is necessary, and change is also opportunity. Now, um, Denise and I have been part of this church now for for quite a few years, and... uh, I remember the day quite distinctly when you know, our auditorium used to be the other way around for those who are new, and the stage used to be about where the back couple of rows are there. And I remember, um, this is a bit over 25 years ago, I was, we had that beautiful yellow carpet, <laughs> and the seats were, were sort of round, and, and Denise and I were standing or, or sitting about here, and um, uh, the then elders got up on stage, uh, Melvin Longworth and Alan Townley, and basically did what we did this morning and said that uh, Doug Stevenson and Mark Robinson, the two pastors that we had at that time, uh, had, had handed their resignation in within five minutes of each other without each other knowing that they were doing it. And the state that the church was in then, we, we were in a history where we had actually mistreated pastors and, and there's a real churn of pastors going through the place and we've done it again. And there are a lot of people who were really hurt 
um, through that time, and there's a lot of people who left the church because of that announcement. And I remember standing there, and this is what was going on in my head. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> but what an opportunity. <laughs> And, you know, because I thought, you know, there's opportunity here. God can grow me and use me, and I just want to serve the church and find out where he's got his place for me. And so um, uh, the search committee was called together, and when John and Sandra came down for that week, I was involved, and uh, Denise and I had them over for lunch. I remember we had a really good conversation about journaling and prayer, and, um, and then John came in as the senior pastor, he took us on a journey of seeing the church free and I was invited to be part of the group that was in that process and uh, then John rang me, rings me up one day and says, oh there's a conference in town on something called Alpha and I was wondering if you're interested in coming along and, and finding out about it with me. So I went with John to this conference and, we, and John says, well do you think we could do this? And I said, yeah I think we could. So I started Alpha and I invited Mike and Linda um, to join me in running the course and I said to them, well, what else are you going to do? What excuse have you got? And they said, well, not, not anything worthwhile. So they, <laughs> they, they joined me and have since, you know, then they took over Alpha and have run it for over 20 years and done an incredible job, way better than I, I could. Um, And then after that, I went around and I said, can I come and see the elders? And, and so I went around and saw them and I said, look, we don't have anyone in charge of evangelism. If you'd like, I'd like to be in charge of evangelism. And they said, okay, you are now in charge of evangelism. <laughs> that year, I led eight people to the Lord. Um, here at and some of them are here today. So, yeah. And then from there, uh, uh, one of our elders, Paul Edlin, he was being called up to Wellington to become a pastor, and, and so I got invited onto the eldership team. And, as, uh, and then being on the eldership team, the elder says, well, actually, we think you should share the eldership. We don't have anyone doing it, so we think you're good. You seem to be doing it anyway. So I started sharing the, <laughs> the eldership. And uh, also, you know, John invited me up to something up at Hamner, where there was these leaders. I think there was, was this is the second year they were doing it, seeking after the Holy Spirit, and, and there were about 30 of us there when I went up there, and I was really scary, all these known people who were moving powerfully in the Spirit and, and go there, and then I've been every year, year since, and grown in the prophetic and words of knowledge and just seeing God do amazing things and healing and miracles around people's lives. And, and from there, I got a word to go to Bethel, and I took a team from here over to Bethel, and, um, which was a really good time for us as a church. And, and you know, a couple of years ago, I did the Hope and Joy series, wrote a book, all because back then, I thought change is opportunity. Change is opportunity. You know, and it, we shouldn't be surprised by change because even Jesus real, realized it was better for us to change. It was better for us that if he left than if he stayed. 
Now, I can imagine the disciples, they, were, they were, uh, would have been, uh, you know, they spent three years going through Jesus' life and they were devastated by the crucifixion on the cross. But then he raises from the dead and he comes and he spends time with them and, and they think, great, we can now get on. Jesus can establish his kingdom here on earth. We can see all the promises of the Father coming to fruition. And Jesus telling them, well, no, I told you, I'm leaving. You're doing it. And Jesus had told the disciples earlier that if he didn't go away, then they wouldn't be empowered by his Holy Spirit to actually do the work. It's better for us that Jesus went away so the Holy Spirit could come. This is what he said in John 16, 5 to 15. Now I'm going to him who sent me, yet none of you asked me, where are you going? Because I've said these things, you're filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. And I'm sure that John and Sandra will say, there's much more that they could have done for us, but maybe we weren't receptive for it all. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. God's kingdom grows more because Jesus went away and sent us the Holy Spirit. And friends, change is normal, change is necessary, change is opportunity. And to finish off, the Bible, and the band wants to come up, the Bible also tells us what our attitude should be towards change. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, and this has been one of the most popular verses we've had as a church for the last couple of years. And as we go through change, our role is to submit to God's leadership, follow his light, trusting in him, and then to align our thoughts with his, his thoughts by renewing our mind. Now, it's important, it's essential that we believe in Jesus, but it's just as essential that we start to believe like Jesus. And the outcome, if we do this, is that we will walk through change, discovering God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I don't know about you, but I don't think there is a better place to be than in God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. In a moment, we're going to sing the song of blessing again. But before we do, I think it would be really good if we, got, if we just spend a couple of minutes in twos and threes and just praying for each other, praying for the future of the church, and praying for John and Sandra. So if you want to just quickly get in. If you're a visitor here today you can, and you feel uncomfortable praying with other people, just talk to God yourself, and that is absolutely fine.